You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, sponsored by Kendall King, bringing you the latest news, position analysis, and more. Here's your hosts, Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon. It's the end of the regular season. Kind of hard to believe that the season goes by so fast. It's this way. Every football year, it seems, the Razorbacks will play in Missouri on Friday afternoon. 2.30 kickoff on CBS. Razorbacks 6-5 and five after their 42-27 victory over Ole Miss. Missouri 5-6 and six looking for bowl eligibility this weekend. Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon of WholeHogSports.com. Just the two of us today due to holidays and some illnesses. It's, it's just the two of us going to... Uh, Look back at Ole Miss and look ahead to Missouri. Usually we do two podcasts in a week. We're just doing one because of the short week, also because of the holiday and, and how that affects all of our schedules. Scotty, let's start with the Ole Miss game. I was not surprised that Arkansas won. I was surprised with how they won. I thought that this was going to be uh, a competitive game, maybe a little bit more of a low-scoring game uh, just due to the, the the conditions that they played in. Really cold, 34 degrees at kickoff. It fell down into the 20s uh, by the end of the game. You had wind chills, I think, that were down in the low 20s, maybe even into the teens. And so you think that it's probably going to be a low-scoring game like it had been the week before against LSU. But Arkansas played as well of a first half as I can remember them playing against a quality team. They've had some good first halves against teams that weren't you know, very good. UAPB last year is, is an example. I think about the Mississippi State game in 2016 when Raleigh Williams had a, a great first half. But – Ole Miss, they're not a great team. They're a good team, though. And for Arkansas to come out and, and play the way they did in the first half, especially on the heels of those two losses that they had the two weeks before against Liberty and LSU, I, I thought it was as impressive of a stretch of football as we've seen from this team this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Arkansas before halftime was as sharp as I've seen them, you know, maybe under Sam, um, especially when you take into consideration the the you know the team on the other side, top 15 team. This isn't you know, Arkansas, you know, going into halftime against UAPB 42 to zero or, or whatever. This is, you know, a team that, you know, it competed with, with Alabama, you know, the week before and had a chance to, you know, potentially tie or, or win that game. And Arkansas just like, like, I, I agree with you. I think that I it went into the game expecting it to be maybe a, you know, 2017, 21, 17, 24, 20 type game. But, you know, that I think I think my thinking and when it comes to that was I just didn't know, you know, how sharp or how in tune with everything KJ was gonna be. And he was really he was really good. And you know, Arkansas started that game and they couldn't get anything going with the ground or going with the run game. And I think Arkansas really set the tone in the in that game with, you know, a couple of big pass plays to Trey Knox. And then Matt Landers made two terrific touchdown grabs, like one in traffic and then one over the shoulder. And, you know, a- after that, Arkansas's run game really took over and Rocket was phenomenal. But the passing game was kind of the tone setter early. And then, you know, when Arkansas got old Mrs. Defense on its heels, it just really didn't know what to do at that point but i think arkansas be, being able to soften up a defense with the pass man that's that's a complete turnaround from what we'd seen in previous weeks and i think i mean you just can't like sam was saying after the game like man it's good to have kj back and he's he's exactly right like it it got the offensive morale 
back up. They started clicking for the first time maybe since the Auburn game or late in the BYU game. Um, best Arkansas has looked on offense, especially in the first half, and then defensively they were phenomenal in the first half. Just great complimentary football all the way around. It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the more entertaining first halves that, I, that I've seen in a really long time. I just think it shows you the value of KJ Jefferson. And I said sure. this, you know, multiple times the last couple of weeks. I think that if he's healthy, they beat Liberty. And I think if he's healthy and he can play, they beat LSU because of the way their defense held those two teams uh, in check. And you, you look at back at this season, who knows how the Mississippi State game might have gone had Jefferson been able to play in that game. Arkansas moved the ball against Mississippi State. They just couldn't score in the red zone. And they had a couple of turnovers. And, you know, turnovers are, are pretty uncharacteristic uh, when Jefferson's at quarterback. He's almost like the the new age triple option. You know, I mean, it's like he can throw the ball. And then when he throws it, it opens up that run game. And it's not just the running back. It, it's Jefferson's got that option to run. He had a couple of nice runs against Ole Miss. I think he finished with uh, 47 yards. And I would have had a little bit more than that if sacks weren't factored into the rushing totals. Uh, but you think about the game that Rocket Sanders had the last couple of weeks against Liberty and LSU. I think a lot of his lack of success, if you will, in those games were because you didn't have a healthy Jefferson playing. And it, it just, he is a much better running back when Jefferson is healthy. And, you know, Jefferson doesn't get his 232 rushing yards, but I think he gets a, a at least maybe in the, the coach's mind or, or maybe even in Rocket's mind, Jefferson gets a big thank you uh, for that type of rushing performance because of the, you know, what he can bring to the table. Yeah. I, I just think it's interesting. Like after the game, you know, Sam and I think Dalton Wagner both got asked, you know, what was the difference in the offensive lines play, you know, against Ole Miss compared to against Liberty and, and LSU. And I think, I think, you know, both of those guys said that having KJ back was like probably the biggest difference. And I think that's a, a really easy answer just because KJ does change so many things. I mean, Ole Miss's front is not as good as I, I don't even know if it's as good as Liberty, to be real honest. Like they they did not have, you know, as many game record or a game record type guy or as many guys who can be disruptive in the in the offensive backfield as as those other two teams did. But KJ just opens so many different things up. It's just like when a defense can hone in on Rocket and not have to worry about the threat of the pass, you can put eight, maybe nine guys in the box and just dare Arkansas to throw it. And then, you know, Arkansas has a really good run game, really good running back in Rocket, so they're still going to give him touches. But it's going to be tough sledding when, you know, you've only you only feel like you've got to have – you know, maybe two or three guys in coverage because you're just not worried about the threat of the pass. KJ changes everything. Um, he may be as singularly important to his team as to his team as any anybody in in this league. Um, you know, I think Alabama could probably get by with Jalen Milrow. He's really good. Um, we'll see how Tennessee does maybe without Hendon Hooker when he got injured last week. But yeah, KJ is just, he's so, so, so vital to, to any kind of success that Arkansas has. And I think that, you know, his presence is so important and impactful that it, I think it, it also, you know, kind of gives Arkansas's defense a boost too. Let's talk about the defense because what a interesting performance on Saturday against Ole Miss they give up 703 yards 
It's the third most yards they've ever given up in a game. The only ones where they had given up more were that 2005 game at Southern Cal. And then in 2012, when Johnny Manziel went crazy uh, down in College Station. But Ole Miss only scored 27 points, and they didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. Arkansas, of course, three turnovers. There was an interception by Drew Sanders. Uh, Sanders also recovered a fumble early in the game. I think it was on Ole Miss's first possession. Uh, Dwight McLaughlin recovered a fumble. He actually stripped it and recovered it in the third quarter, uh, set up a field goal opportunity that, that uh, Cam Little missed. Ole Miss had some, or at least they had one instance where they had a fourth down conversion uh, that they didn't convert. How do you how do you quantify what Arkansas did with 703 yards allowed, but only 27 points? I guess it goes back to that old saying, you know, that, that stats don't score points. Um, you know, I was listening to someone this week, you know, and they were basically saying that today's defense needs to be measured by um, how many turnovers you can create and how many times you can force a team into a field goal situation in the red zone. And that's basically what the successful defenses are doing right now. And and I guess in that regard, that's that's what Arkansas did, at least for the first three quarters. They got off the field a few times with turnovers. They forced Ole Miss into three field goal attempts, and they made two of them. And, and that was really the difference. And then, of course, Ole Miss really hurt itself, too, uh, with a ton of penalties. Uh, they were one of the most penalized teams in the country last year. They haven't been as bad this year, but I think there were 12 penalties for somewhere 100, 116 yards Had a couple of touchdowns called off. It just seemed like everything kind of went into favor of the Arkansas defense other than the total yards. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy to just, you know, kind of look into that South end zone scoreboard and see the number of yards, you know, total yards for Ole Miss just going up, 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 up. And at one point, I think both teams had, you know, right around 500 yards. And then Ole Miss just kept just kept piling up yards, you know, especially when when the game was out of hand and they were putting up touchdowns, you know, toward the end of the game. But Arkansas's defense the other night was just pretty classic, you know, bend but don't break. And, you know, if you come up with a takeaway like Arkansas did, you get a turnover on downs or, you know, Ole Miss – you know, gets into like field goal range and misses field goals. I mean, those yard those yards just pretty much go to waste, and that's a, a huge win. You know, for Arkansas, you know, you you went into that game thinking that fourth down was going to be a pretty big down for Arkansas because you know it's not the Ole Miss isn't the same this year as they were last year in terms of going for going on fourth down. Um, they led the country, I think, in fourth down attempts last year and were like tied for first with like Air Force. This year they were, you know, I think they were outside the top 60 in, in conversion or in, in um, fourth down attempts. I just thought that we'd see more of that maybe from, from Ole Miss, um, given the, the weather and the elements and whatnot, and just Lane, Lane Kiffin just trying to get an offensive advantage wherever he could. They did, they did have an advantage in the second half. It was just, I think Arkansas miscalculated what – Ole Miss was going to do is like you got a quarterback like Jackson Dart with a pretty live arm. You know, I thought they might throw it all over the try to throw it all over the yard when they got down big, but their best offense was just hand off to Quinshawn Judkins or Zach Evans, and they were picking up, you know, it felt like 10 or 11, 12 yards at a time at minimum. Um, but Arkansas was, yeah, classic bend, but don't break. And then, you know, it, you got to give Arkansas credit. Like 
if if Ole Miss can can move the ball 45, 50, 55 yards, but Arkansas's defense tightens up when the field shrinks, I mean, that's that's props to Arkansas. Um and you know, I think that's uh I think that's that's part of what makes them successful over the last, you know, few weeks, giving up their fair share of yards, I think, it, it, at least in certain stretches of games, but they've tightened up when they needed to. And, you know, they're getting pressure on the quarterback. They're being opportunistic um, defensively. They're jumping on on balls that get, that get, you know, mishandled in the backfield. Like, you know, Drew Sanders jumped on one, came up with a pick. Nudie was really opportunistic with that with that strip. Um, I just think Arkansas's defense right now is kind of wired to be really opportunistic with those, um, you know, turnover worthy plays or throws from, from opponents and uh, it's paying big dividends. And, 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 you know, when Arkansas's defense or offense is humming, like it was last week, that's, that's where you create separation in games and, and kind of put teams away quickly. And I think if you look at it just strictly from points scored, this is four consecutive games now where I think you, like what you've seen from Arkansas defensively. I know Auburn Definitely. scored 27, but they, they scored a couple in garbage time in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, you held Liberty to three touchdowns. You hold LSU to one. You hold uh, Ole Miss to three and none through the first, uh, you know, three quarters. And you, know, you can say what you want about the final score. It, it was a beatdown Saturday night. And I think had Arkansas kept its foot on the pedal and maybe not uh, – I don't know that they went conservative offensively but what they did they started taking more time in between plays and I think that took their offense a little bit out of rhythm you know they they wanted to melt that clock down in the second half you know and defensively Sam Pittman mentioned the other day that they they changed some things they were doing uh, with the back end of their defense because they thought Ole Miss was going to just start throwing it over the top on them and that opened up some run lanes and I think they were a little surprised with how uh, willing Ole Miss was to continue to run the ball even though they were down by 36 points, 30 points, 22 points, whatever the case might have been. And, uh, you know, so I, I just don't know that the score really is is anywhere near indicative of what that game was. And, and one more thought on defense. It's, um, I guess it's just a matter of, it doesn't matter how you get off the field. Just get off the field, man. Doesn't right. matter if it's a exactly. turnover. Doesn't matter if it's a missed field goal. Uh, doesn't matter if it's a made field goal. I think that, you know, in today's game, if you can get off the field and you've only given up three points, you feel pretty good uh, about, you know, what you've done. Depends yeah, on the game. You know, yeah, I mean, it depends on the game. Give up a field goal in a 13-10 to 10 game like LSU, that's a little bit different. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're they're finding ways to get off the field. Uh, and, and I think that's been really impressive the last couple of weeks. Doesn't it seem like every game right now when Arkansas wins, it's the Drew Sanders and Rocket Sanders show? I mean, you think back yeah. to early in the season, uh, it, it was that way a lot of times, and, and it was that way again Saturday night. Rocket goes for 232. He has, uh, you know, I think close to 20 or 30 yards receiving to go on top of that. And then Drew Sanders just, I mean, he just balled out 10 tackles, uh, had a, a tackle for loss, had a fumble recovery, had an interception. And, uh, you know, both of those guys were kind of in the news this week for awards. Drew Sanders is one of five finalists for the Butkus Award, uh, we think that he's the first Razorback who's ever been a finalist for the Butkus Award, going back to 1985. They've had some semifinalists before, Samuel Jabutu and Grant Morgan, but I don't think they've ever had a finalist. And then it was a little bit of a surprise this week, I thought, Scotty, to see that Rocket Sanders was not one of the 10 semifinalists for the Doak Walker Award. Um, you know, you say what you want about who the favorites ought to be, probably the 
know, Blake Quorum up at Michigan is, is going to be a runaway winner for the Doak Walker. But when you see Quinshawn Judkins on the Doak Walker semifinalist list, and Rocket Sanders has essentially the same stats, just not as many touchdowns. I think that's a little bit of surprise. Yeah, it was a big, t- yeah, it's a big surprise. I mean, Rocket's been one of the, he's been one of the 10 best backs in the country this year, hands down. And he's, you know, at times he has literally fueled Arkansas's offense. He's like, he's, he's been phenomenal. However many hundred yards, hundred yard games he's got, like there was a, um, like it's it's kind of been special to watch. Like he's having a season where we're literally, for at least for a little while, like a probably a three or four week stretch where we're comparing his numbers to Darren McFadden, you know, 14, 15, 16 years ago. Like he's just he's been that good this year. And I I just don't understand the thinking of like not having him at least in the conversation for that award. It's it's pretty mind blowing. I don't yeah, I just I'm kind of at a loss for words in in terms of that. But like Drew Sanders the other night was really good. The pick that he had was the first of his career, and I asked him about it after the game. I asked him if it was the first pick because I I thought it was, but just wanted to double check with him because he would who other who better than him to ask if if it was. But huge smile came to his face, and bumper after the game too was like you know linebackers they kind of give each other hell all the time. Because, you know, you watch them in pregame warmups and in practice and stuff like that. And they're like Michael Scherer always does this drill where, you know, he's standing like it feels like like six feet in front of those guys. And he's just like firing fastballs right at their face. And sometimes you see a lot of balls hit the ground. And I know <laughs> Drew was a little bit farther than six feet away from Jackson Dart when he caught that pick. But it was a fastball, maybe 12 to 15 feet away, it felt like. And really good hands and I thought it was great like Bob after the game asked Drew was like man you looked really natural you know catching that ball and then you know running afterwards with the ball in your hands I think he had like a 13 yard return and he was asking Drew if you know he played (laughs) you know if he played much with the ball in his hands in high school and stuff Drew was a five-star athlete coming out of Denton Ryan and wrote a feature story about him early in the year he did you know his uh, his high school coach, Dave Hennigan, said he was a generational type athlete. They put him, you know, lined him up at shotgun. And it, it was either Drew Sanders or Billy Bowman at OU that were going to touch the ball on just about every play for, for Denton Ryan. And then Drew went over to the other side of the ball and he was a game wrecker on defense. Like he's just a, he's a special, special kid. And I think Bumper is really, really happy that, you know, he's had a running mate, you know, of the caliber of, of drew you know the year after that you know he was playing with two guys that really had great noses for the football and hayden henry and and grant morgan so um yeah drew's been phenomenal this year he's very deserving of being up for the buckets award who knows if he'll win it but he's he's very deserving of being in that conversation yeah it seems like that's kind of become the, the georgia linebacker invitational here lately and they've got another linebacker who's a finalist this year who, who just may go away with it uh sanders by the way i think he's like top two round pick right now but on a lot of draft boards. he seems to me like the like the prototype pass rusher you know slash you know run blitz guy in the league right now right like he's six five got great speed um kind of my only concern with him is that you know he's not as incredibly sure tackler against mm-hmm. athletes in space um 
and I think his missed tackles numbers are kind of up, but you know, that that's also too just a product of him, you know, like he's, he's in position to make tackles a lot, which is good. Mm -hmm. I think you just, you, there's just got to be, I think a little bit, you know, you got to be a little bit more of a short tackler um, and, and finish those plays. But I mean, to be, to lead this team, well, he's first or he's first or second in, in tackles this year. He's been terrific. Um, if he was to, you know, have a little bit of a lower missed tackle rate, I mean, I wouldn't be if if he had like maybe ten or fifteen more tackles to that total instead of missed tackles. You know, he could be, you know, he might be the front runner for this award. To be real honest, I mean, because he does everything else so well. He's got a pick to his credit now. You know, one of the league's best in in terms of sacks and tackles for yards and that kind of thing. He's just yeah, he's been he's been really fun to watch. Yeah, well, he is number one in sacks. He's got a half sack yeah. more than Will Anderson, also number one in the league in force fumbles. He's almost like that shortstop in baseball, you know, who has a lot of errors, but they have a lot of errors because they can get to a ball that not a lot of other players can get to. Yeah, so kind of like Casey kinda, Martin several years yeah. ago. I think he caught a lot of grief for that. I was but, even thinking yeah. about like a like a like a Jalen Battles. You know, he had a lot yeah. of errors this year for the Razorbacks, but it's also because he had such great range to be able to get to a ball in the hole. It's a similar way with this linebacker. Like you were saying, he can get in position to make plays that maybe not a lot of other players uh, his position can do. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King. Design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omnichannel creative services through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence. We've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. Com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Welcome back to the Whole Hawk Football Podcast. Arkansas goes to Missouri on Friday. It's a 2.30 kickoff on CBS. The Razorbacks trying to get to their seventh win. They are bowl eligible, and we'll talk about the bowls here in just a minute. Uh, but for Missouri, they're trying to get to bowl eligibility. Another thing about this game that I find kind of interesting, Scotty, is that this is another week where Sam Pittman is matched up against one of these coaches who he came into the league with in 2020. And you look at you know, his record right now against every other coach in the league, he has a winning record against two coaches, against Lane Kiffin and against Mike Leach, who he came into the league with. And if they win this week in Columbia, uh, he would have a winning record against Eli Drinkowitz. 
I don't know, you know, I, I'm not saying that Sam Pittman's the, the the greatest coach in the SEC, but I do think it shows that it's just maybe another feather in the cap, what he's been able to do at Arkansas. The fact that he has maybe brought Arkansas along quicker than the other coaches who came in with him. And when you look at where Arkansas was when he came in versus where these other programs were, uh, I think that's really a, quite an accomplishment. Sam is just he's kind of a he's kind of walking proof that if you give a guy who knows ball and is a pretty good motivator like he can get his team you know in time to be really really competitive and you know I think I don't think anybody would disagree that Arkansas was at a talent disadvantage maybe when he got here but he can really really motivate players and you know give them you know, reason X, Y, and Z for, you know, why they should care so much and then, you know, go out and, and you know, get a good game plan together, motivate guys, and then have them go out and perform. And I think Sam is, is one of the best in the league at doing that. I'm not saying he's maybe best coach in the league. I mean, there's lots of really good lots of really good football minds in the league, really good motivators too. But I think Sam – he he's like he's in the same vein as like some of the guys that you would consider, you know, the very best in the league, and you know he's. I don't think like I, I wrote several weeks ago, like maybe before Arkansas played Alabama at home, and they had a chance to kind of make a, a statement in that game if they were to they were to you know compete and win it, but Arkansas just with Sam like they're like the days of them stepping on the field and feeling like they don't belong or, you know, they're outclassed in every single aspect of the game. Those days are, are over. And Sam's a, a huge reason for that. And, you know, I think, you know, I think these rivalry games mean a whole lot to him actually, because I mean, the trophy games, especially like you win it. I mean, you've got not only a notch under your belt, you know, in terms of bragging rights in that particular rivalry, but you've got something to kind of show for it too, that you can show off to, to recruits and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, Sam's all about recruiting. So not, you know, it, it, any win that you can get in these, these big rivalry games, I don't know, big rivalry games, but rivalry games of any kind, it's really big. And um, he'll have his guys ready for this weekend. There's, there's no doubt about it. And I think that, um, I think it's it's interesting, kind of like the the personal the co the personalities of these two coaches. They're just so different. Um, and I, I don't have any doubt that that Sam would kind of like to to rub it in um, against Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri, and and also prevent them from from becoming bowl eligible. I think that's you know that's kind of an underrated uh, motivator in this game too. You, keep, you yeah. keep your rival from from going to a postseason. Well, and, and it can affect Arkansas's postseason destination too. If Missouri for sure gets into that, you know, bowl eligible bowls are not equitable. Like like where you go, it's not equitable. I mean, you think you look at what's going on with Tennessee right now, and the loss they just had to South Carolina. The fact that you know, Hendon Hooker's out for the rest of the year with the ACL injury. Tennessee beat up on LSU in Death Valley earlier this year. Beat them forty to seventeen. LSU is going to go to a better bowl game than Tennessee goes to just based on how the season has played out since that point. And where I'm going with that, it, it you know, it, it could be that Missouri beats Arkansas, gets to bowl eligibility, and Arkansas still goes to a, a better bowl. But you certainly hurt your 
chances to go to a good bowl if you lose this game. It, you know, it takes a hit. And right now, you know, I think the with how the playoff is shaping up and where some of the teams are ranked uh, in the playoff poll, I think it's probably fairly likely that the SEC will get two, maybe three teams in the New Year's six bowl games. And that means your fourth best team goes to the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And then, you know, there's that trickle-down effect because then you've got the group of six bowls that kind of have this collaborative, you know, work-together deal that they do at the end of the season. The league is the one that ultimately um, assigns bowl bids, but the teams, they can lobby for a bowl they want to go to. The bowls, they can lobby for a team that they would like to have. And so Arkansas is probably in that group of six bowl games right now. Uh, they would certainly be in it, I think, if they were to get a seventh win against Missouri. And those six bowl games are the Las Vegas Bowl, the Gator Bowl. Uh, I think it's called the ReliaQuest Bowl now in Tampa. It used to be the Outback Bowl that Arkansas won last year. You've got the Music City Bowl. You've got the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. And uh, let's see here, I'm missing one. Oh, the, the Texas Bowl in Houston is the sixth one. Arkansas has got a history with some of those bowls. They don't have much of a history uh, with some of the others. Uh, you know, but but one of those bowl games, I think, is where Arkansas is going to finish up. If they beat Missouri, if they don't, then all of a sudden you might put yourself more in the Birmingham Bowl category, or I think it's uh, called the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa is a, a newer bowl that the SEC has affiliated itself with. And there's a big difference between playing in one of those group of six, kind of an established bowl game, and going down and, and, and playing in Birmingham uh, right before New Year's. Yeah, there's a really big difference. And I think, you know, if you you look at kind of the, the big picture, like Arkansas would travel, I think, really well to Nashville. They'd travel really well to Las Vegas. I mean, who wouldn't, like, who in their right mind would, like, not want to go to Las Vegas to watch Arkansas play in a bowl game? And that's an early bowl game, too. That's December the 17th. That's a, that's a that really quick be, turnaround. I didn't uh, realize when, that. That's pretty yeah. nuts. Because, you know, the, the Las Vegas Bowl, they're trying to elevate the status of that bowl game and, and getting partnered up with the SEC every other year has helped in that regard. But that's always been one of those first bowl games of the season. Seems like it's maybe the Saturday after Army-Navy game most years, and I think that's the case this year uh, again. And so it would be a really quick turnaround to go to Las Vegas. But I think you're right. You know, you've got the Allegiant flights out of XNA. Uh, you know, you've got affordable flights out to Las Vegas from a lot of other locales. I think it would be somewhere that, that a lot of people will go to. Yeah, and it's like no offense to the other bowls, but like um, Arkansas would obviously really travel really well to that Texas Bowl. But I think there's – I think there would be a ton of excitement for that Las Vegas Bowl just because it's a like a unique place for a bowl. Um, you know, that Arkansas hasn't – they haven't played out there in a long time, right? Like if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think it's just like the, the unique – of of those games um and so i think sam like they're obviously they may not be saying like this specifically like if we we need to win because we can get a better bowl game like they just want to win so they can they can get that but like have the the win or the bowl game be a broad byproduct of the win they're not just saying we need to win because of um because of the the, the better bowl game um but you know i think it's just been it's been an interesting year for Arkansas and probably not the year like even players have said this like it's not been the year that probably a lot of people imagined but I think if they can you know close this regular season strong like carry over that roll over that momentum 
that they built up last week. You got a healthy KJ. You beat a rival on the road, potentially, you know, you could snap like if Arkansas wins on Friday, like they snap a, you know, kind of an ugly losing streak, you know, at Missouri. Like that's kind of a pretty dreadful place to have a long losing streak. They can get over that. You know, I think they they go into a bowl game that, you know, they can get really fired up for. Like it'll be pretty unique. I think what there's there's like the potential that Arkansas could play Illinois in a bowl game, right? Like I think there's some there's some there's some thought that Arkansas could get matched up with Brett Bielema in Illinois. Who knows if that'll happen? Um, but you win the game on Friday, you get a better bowl game. And I think there's there's lots of excitement because, you know, the the matchup in the bowl game could be unique too, is you know, kind of coupling that with the venue. I kind of think the Liberty Bowl might be really strong in play for Arkansas. It seems like they like having Arkansas over there about every seven years or so, and it's been eight. Is that right? Seven? No, it's been seven since Arkansas went over there uh, in 2015 uh, and, and beat Kansas State. It's always a huge draw when Arkansas comes to Memphis. I mean, you get people who they don't even go to Memphis before the you know beforehand, the days leading up to the game. You got people who live. 30 minutes from the stadium on the Arkansas side who can drive over there and, and see a game real nearby to them, almost kind of like, uh, kind of like, you know, what war Memorial meant um, to the, the central and East and South part of the state. Um, you know, at one point in time, you can do that for a game over in Memphis. I think the Liberty bowl is going to be a bowl game that really lobbies hard for Arkansas. It's just a matter of whether or not, um, you know, the SBC office puts them there. On the Las Vegas Bowl, by the way, uh, you're right. It has been a while. It was 2000. They lost to UNLV in the Las Vegas Bowl, 31 to 14, and that's a that's a bowl game. A lot of people would like to forget. the The big difference between the Las Vegas Bowl now and the Las Vegas Bowl then is that it used to be played at UNLV's home stadium on campus, or I think it was might have not been on campus, but it it was the home stadium for UNLV. Uh, now the Las Vegas Bowl is going to be played in Allegiant Stadium, the $1.9 billion home of the Raiders. Completely different and deal. Huge, makes the I whole mean, thing different. Makes it totally different. Absolutely. I mean, it's now all of a sudden it puts that game on par maybe with like Texas Bowl that gets played in NRG Stadium in Houston or some of these other bowl games. It, it's just it, it it totally changes the feel of a bowl game uh, when you've got a nice venue like that and, and especially an NFL stadium. Some quick thoughts here on Missouri before we get to predictions. Uh, Missouri offensively, they've been pretty challenged this year. You look at their scoring offense, their passing offense, their rushing offense, all of those are in the bottom five in the SEC. I think they rank 10, 11, and 12 in those respective categories. Defensively, they've been pretty good this year, especially against the run, but they've had some lapses against the run. Kansas State had a nice day running the ball against them. Florida did. Tennessee, a couple of weeks ago, ran for 7.1 yards per carry. And so, while they have been really good defensively against the run, some teams have shown the ability to move them off of the line of scrimmage, Scotty. And and this is going to be a really nice challenge, I think, for Arkansas this week. Okay, you've, you've, you've kind of reestablished yourself against Ole Miss. Now can you go up and do it against a Missouri team, uh, you know, that, that you're going to be expected to beat? Yeah, very winnable game for Arkansas, I think. But like, like you said, it's going to be a, a challenge. No, because I think I've said like several times during our prediction segment when, you know, we've got a we're trying to pick a game when Missouri's playing somebody at home. And I'm like, well, I think the visiting team might win or is probably going to win. But Missouri just seem they seem to compete really, really well. 
at home, like they had Georgia on the ropes. And if not for, you know, Georgia being Georgia and just, you know, having superior alien like athletes, like everywhere on both sides of the ball, like they lose that game. Missouri competes pretty well at home. And I think they're one of those teams that like Matt, you alluded to, like with their run defense, they're just, I think they're a completely different team home and away. And that's not uncommon. I don't feel like for, you know, a lot of college teams, like you're not going to be at your best all the time um, on the road. But I mean, you feel you've got that comfortability of being at home and you, you just play just a little bit more, um, maybe instinctively when you're you're at home because you're in, in familiar surroundings. But I think, yeah, I think this is a really tough game for Arkansas just because Missouri's defense is pretty solid. Um, offensively, I think a kind of a big deal in this game is it doesn't sound like Barrett Bannister is going to play for Missouri. That was, you know, some I was seeing some tweets from Dave Matter who, who covers Missouri. Um Missouri players were talking like Bar Bannister wasn't going to play, and Sam on Monday called Bannister, you know, Mr. Third Down. Like, he's second on the team in catches with 37, and 17 of those catches and 208 of those yards have come on third down alone. Um, so he can be kind of a difference maker that can help Missouri sustain drives on offense. They don't have him. I mean, it's kind of like they've got – who is their, their top receiver is Dominic Lovett. Um, and it, it's just kind of just him outside of, of Bannister in that receiver's room. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if Missouri maybe leans on their, their run a little bit more and uh, maybe takes a little bit of pressure off the quarterback. Missouri's got the third worst passing game in the SEC. And yeah, so I, think I could anytime... obviously – like coming into this week, I couldn't have told you who their quarterback was. Could not. <laughs> Brady Cook. Yeah, he he became their starter last year, I think, in their bowl game loss to Army. But you know, it's the third worst passing game in the league, and it's not because he doesn't get uh, good protection. I mean, they're they're one of the the teams that gives up the fewest sacks, uh, you know, per passing attempt. Uh, but boy, they've just had a lot of challenge with their receivers. And so I think anytime you take a receiver like Bannister, uh, who, by the way, if you don't know, he grew up in Fayetteville. He's the grandson of Harold Horton, the nephew of Tim Horton. Uh, and, and playing Arkansas always means a lot to him. You take someone like that out of the roster or out of the lineup in the receiving game, and and I think uh, you know it, it it makes a pretty poor receiving game or a pretty poor passing game you know, potentially even worse. Prediction time now. Several rivalry games, of course, this week around the SEC. We'll start Thursday night, Thanksgiving. The Egg Bowl is back on Thanksgiving. Mississippi State goes to Ole Miss. Scotty, it feels like this could be a really high-scoring game. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I just, like after seeing Ole Miss last week, I'm just I wasn't exactly sure what to think about this game. But I think you're right. Like points are going to come fast and furiously. If <laughs> if I had to guess, I, I'm probably going to give the the edge to to Ole Miss just because they're at home. Um, they're just you know, the winner, obviously, really, it might be just whichever team has, like, the fewest boneheaded mistakes, like, in big moments. Um, and I'm not, you know, both of these teams can be kind of undisciplined at times. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it could come down to, like, whichever receiver who scores a touchdown doesn't act like he's peeing on a pylon. Like, it, could, <laughs> it might come down to one of those type things. Well, as I was going to say, it's like this game's had a lot of undisciplined moments in it throughout the years uh, between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You know, we saw when Arkansas went down to Starkville that, that Mike Leach was more willing to run the ball 
than he had ever been before. And I think that's where you can hurt Ole Miss is, is running the ball on him. Uh, but I think Mississippi State is, is pretty susceptible to stopping the run as well. Uh, boy, I, I think it's just a toss-up. And you throw the fact that there's such a short turnaround for both of these teams into the equation, you know, I think that that's a, a factor, too, why I think there's probably going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, I'll probably go with Ole Miss, just the fact uh, that they're at home, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Mississippi State go into Oxford and win that game. Uh, you've got the Iron Bowl this week, Alabama hosting Auburn. This feels like a game where Cadillac Williams uh, is, is coaching for kind of his career. You know, if he can if he can take Auburn into Tuscaloosa and pull off, you know, one of the big upsets, if not the biggest upset of the SEC season, uh, I don't know how Auburn doesn't keep him in that job full time. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. Like he's he's taken Auburn into this game, total backs against the wall, us against the world. Um, they're playing with, you know, kind of this desperation, this, all this great emotion, and Alabama's just playing with better players, like just easily. Um, so yeah, I, I've got Alabama. I think they might win by, by a couple scores, maybe two touchdowns. Yeah, I think Alabama's probably going to win big, but I've, I've been really impressed with how Williams has gotten Auburn's mindset. Same here. He coaches, with so, he, he, he coaches with a lot of emotion on the sideline, and it's, it's pretty fun and refreshing to see that. It's, 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 it's raw, and it's, it's real. He cares a lot about that job. You just see this so many times with, with people who, when they get into a job where it really means something to them, uh, you see the players react. I think it's you know no different than what we've seen here in Arkansas with Pittman. It's a job that means a lot to him, and, and the players uh, have reacted to that. Even when Chad Morris was fired a few years ago, Barry Lunny coached him as an interim coach the last couple of games, and it just had a, a completely different feel about the team. And, and I think you're probably seeing that there with Auburn right now. But I don't ever pick against Alabama. I think Alabama uh, will win that game. Georgia hosts Georgia Tech this week. The uh, I think the betting line is 35. Scotty, can the Bulldogs cover? That's crazy. Um, I don't know. I I think you know George. It might be a game. Georgia gets up big, and they're you know they kind of they pull the plugs. They're just you know they're trying to they're trying to get to Atlanta healthy. I think Georgia wins big. I, I think that this is a game. I think there are certain games <laughs> that mean more to to programs, and I think this is a game where Georgia really loves the fact that it can you know not only keep its finger down on you know quote little brother there in the state but you know just smash them every year and it seems like every year that kirby smart has has taken his team up against georgia tech or at least since they got really good uh it's it's just been kind of a bloodbath and i think it'll probably be that way this week lots of sec acc matchups on friday night florida will go to florida state the seminoles ranked 16th this week in the playoff poll yeah, I think I like Florida State in that game. Like, I just don't know where Florida's program is going right now. Especially, you know, Florida opens the season with a big win at home against Utah. Kind of felt like they lucked out in a way in that game because the quarterback just, you know, threw a ball in traffic and, you know, with like tons and tons of pressure on him. And then to lose at Vanderbilt the way that they did last week, I have no idea if there's any belief in the in Billy Napier, their coaching staff, what they're doing, what they're building. Um, I know Florida fans are probably fed up already. Like that's just, it's almost 
to be real honest, almost inexcusable to lose to, to Vanderbilt um, when you're a program like Florida, like that's that's got the history that they do, um, the tradition. It's just it was pretty stunning. I think I think Florida State probably wins by double digits. I just don't know that I don't know that Florida's got the got the fight in them right now. It just it, because if they did have fight last week, it would have it would have come out and you know those those big moments when you know they were you know, on the ropes against Vanderbilt, but just, I just didn't see it. They're just wildly inconsistent. I mean, they right. beat South Carolina by 32 points the week before and South Carolina goes back home and they beat Tennessee. So you know, it's just, I think it's just one of those deals with Florida. You just never know what you're going to get. Big key, I think, in this game, number one, the fact that it's in Tallahassee. Number two, I believe Florida has won three straight over Florida State. And I think Florida State's a pretty good team this year. I've been kind of beating that drum since I watched them play against LSU. Uh, I think they probably uh, will win this one. South Carolina, as we mentioned, come off the big win over Tennessee. They go to eighth-ranked Clemson. I don't think that Spencer Rattler is going to have another out-of-body experience like he did last week again. Could be totally wrong. Could be totally wrong because, you know, I thought Tennessee was legit. And then he throws for, like, more touchdown passes in one game than he had in every other SEC game combined. Clemson's been a little bit suspect because they're like their quarterback situation has not been exactly the smoothest thing um, this year. So maybe there's a, an outside chance, but I just I can't see Spencer Rattler stacking you know otherworldly games on top of each other. Louis Angelale got benched during the game against Clemson, but I think he's played pretty well other than that this year. Here's the deal with South Carolina for me. Uh, under Shane Beamer, they have been terrible on the road. I mean, just downright terrible. We mentioned the 32-point loss at Florida. We saw what they looked like here in Arkansas earlier this season. Uh, you know, you look at last year, the point differential between their games on the road and their games at home uh, were, it, it was as big as, as I can ever remember being for a team. Uh, they've just gotten it handed to them a lot of times on the road. And Clemson, even though it's a really, really minute chance, they still have that outside chance of eking their way back into the playoff. I, I think they win that one uh, pretty handily. Louisville, 25th in the playoff poll this week, goes to Kentucky. The Wildcats, uh, they had a decent showing, I guess, for you know the, the standards of playing against Georgia last week, only losing by 10. But, but that offense is really struggling. Yeah, it really is. I'm not sure what to make of Kentucky anymore. I mean, that's a team that's lost, it looks like, five of their last seven games. And, you know, I think the injury, like, Will Levis got hurt in that Ole Miss game at Kentucky, or at um, at Ole Miss, you know, back in early October. And I think that that kind of, I think that kind of dampened their season a little bit. And that offense has just not been right since. Like, they haven't scored more than 27 points in any game after that and they hung 31 or more in three of their first four games like they just their their offense is just a little bit out of sorts it seems like i know georgia georgia is going to pound you into submission defensively so only scoring six against them was um, not all that unexpected but you know they just like they just lost to vanderbilt too and couple that with a kind of a a, a not, I want to say a beatdown, but they were they were just suffocated on offense against Georgia. I just I don't I think I've got I've got Louisville in that game. I don't believe in that Kentucky offense whatsoever. It's been a little bit of a resurgent season for Louisville under Scott Satterfield. I think he was kind of on the hot seat 
early in the year. They've turned it around. They're seven and four. In the past few weeks, they've beaten Wake Forest and North Carolina State really handily. And again, kind of like that Florida, Florida State series, Kentucky's won three straight over Louisville. And I think that this is a, a good opportunity for Louisville to go in there and end that losing streak. And I think they do it. A game that I think has become a little bit interesting in the past five or six days is Tennessee playing Vanderbilt to end the season. Tennessee, of course, without their starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker. And Vanderbilt, all of a sudden, uh, they're on the cusp of bowl eligibility. You know, they went from having 25 consecutive SEC losses, and that being one of the longest SEC losing streaks ever, to now all of a sudden they've won two straight SEC games, and I think it's the third longest win streak active in the conference. Yeah, that, that's pretty crazy. Um, I think that Vanderbilt probably comes out and plays with a lot of confidence, but kind of like you know with Alabama and, and Auburn, not not at all comparing the two situations there. But I just think it's it's a deal where Tennessee probably got a better backup quarterback um, than maybe most teams in the, in the league, maybe. And they've also got Jalen Hyatt, who I think, word to the wise, I think you could probably just run him deep on some go routes, and he's shown that you know he can. Against the likes of Alabama, he can come up with some some big big scoring plays. I think he's he, he's one of the best receivers in the country, and I, I think he's he's easily one of my favorite players to watch. Um, he can catch contested balls. He can run by guys. He's got really good size and speed and big catch radius. I think he's they just if they get him involved, I think it'll be I think it could be a runaway for Tennessee even without Hendon Hooker. Vanderbilt's defense has not been very good this year. And as much as I want to believe that Tennessee going into Nashville can be a trap game for the Volunteers, uh, the last two weeks the Vanderbilt's won, they've been against you know pretty offensively challenged teams from Kentucky and Florida. I just think Tennessee's got too many athletes on the field, and I think that they win that game. Well, another game in the SEC this week, LSU plays Texas A&M. We'll ignore that. We think LSU will beat Texas A&M. And so now we go to Arkansas and Missouri. At Faroe Field, it's always been a really weird game when Arkansas goes to Columbia. There have been some big comebacks by Missouri up there. Uh, in fact, almost every game that Arkansas has played up there uh, since the Razorbacks came into the SEC has included a double-digit comeback by Missouri to win. The only time that didn't happen was in 2018 when the Tigers won 38 to nothing uh, to end the, the, the first 2-10 season under Chad Morris. Scotty, where do you think this goes? Do you think the Razorbacks can go into Columbia and get that seventh win? You know, I really do. And I think it's, I think, you know, if Arkansas had lost last week against Ole Miss, you know, I wouldn't feel as, I wouldn't feel as confident picking Arkansas to win. But I think they built up some pretty good momentum. And just KJ Jefferson's presence, I think is just everything, especially for the offense. Like you go into, go into a game, thinking that you can put points on the board and then at that point it's just can our defense get enough stops and right now you know outside of the fourth quarter against Ole Miss which is I mean whatever Arkansas pulled the plug seemingly at that point like you feel pretty good about Arkansas on both sides of the ball and then it just kind of comes down to your special teams you know not being a um, a, a kind of a, a, a source sore spot you know for Arkansas KJ Jefferson has been great on the road in his entire career. I think he's thrown like 16 touchdowns against one pick. And this year he's completed 70% of his passes for 600 yards um, in two road games. And Arkansas is 2-0 in those games. I just think he gives them 
a really good chance to win, you know, pretty much any time they, they play on the road, maybe against, you know, outside of Georgia and, and maybe Alabama. I think Arkansas can go win on the road anywhere in the league um, if they've got a healthy KJ. I have a similar thought to you in that because Arkansas won last week, now the pressure's off and, and you can go play loose, you can go play, you know, have fun because you know you're going to have another game after this. For Missouri, there can be some of that, you know, tightness uh, that, that goes into play this weekend, playing against Arkansas. I think all the pressure is going to be on Missouri, even though, uh, you know, it's it's the team that's got the worst record uh, because they're the team that are at home. They're the team that, that has to win this game to get bowl elig eligible. I think Arkansas's offense is going to be able to put up some points against Missouri. I don't know how it'll happen. I'll be interested to see if Missouri can slow down the Arkansas run game. I'm sure they'll slow them down. Uh, you know, comparable to, to what Ole Miss did last week, but how much can they slow the run game? And, you know, Arkansas, how do you move the ball? Are you moving the ball, you know, with Rocket Sanders? Are you moving the ball through the air? Are you moving the ball with, with K.J. Jefferson on quarterback keepers? It'll be really interesting to me, or, or it'll be interesting to me to see what Arkansas's game plan is. I think the key for Arkansas is the fact that Missouri has not been very good offensively this year. It's a team that, that really struggles to score points. And... Again, Arkansas gave up 703 yards to Ole Miss last week, but when you look at the scoreboard, the scoreboard has improved a lot defensively over the last four weeks, and, and I think that's the difference. I think Arkansas can go into Columbia and win. And we mentioned the motivational factors. Don't forget that you have a ton of Missouri people who are on this Arkansas staff, whether it be Barry Odom, Michael Scherer, some, some people who are you know, more in like the support staff roles who have, have come down from Missouri as well. Even Sam Pittman used to be an assistant coach at Missouri. And I, I think that anytime you go back to a place like that, uh, there's a motivation. The coaches aren't the ones playing, but I think there's there's kind of this feeling that, uh, you know, comes about in the locker room that, hey, we want to go play well for Barry Odom because we know how things ended for him here in Columbia a few years ago. We want to go play well for Michael Scherer because, you know, we love him. He's our linebackers coach, and, and this is a game that means a lot to him. And, and so I think there's a lot of motivational factors there for Arkansas that they can that they can kind of uh, hang on to this week. Not only that, but winning one of these trophy games when they've lost their other two trophy games this year to Texas A&M and LSU by a combined five points. So you've got Arkansas and Missouri, 2.30 Friday on CBS. Come to our website, wholehogsports.com. Uh, before, during, after the game, you can read all of our coverage from football, also basketball. We're bringing you plenty of coverage right now from the Maui Invitational. We'll be back with a Whole Hog Football podcast next week to recap the Missouri game. Also, we'll have a little bit better feel, I think, by then about the bowls and kind of try to give you a clearer picture of where we think Arkansas might end up playing game number 13. For Scotty Bordelon, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us. Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. Seating has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.